Oral questions by members? Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we all know that the Premier flipped his Victoria condo for a profit right before he'd be hit with having to declare a speculation tax. What the public hasn't been told is this wasn't just any condo. It was a building known as the Juliet, a building with non-conforming use exceptions for Airbnb. Now listen to this quote from the building's own literature. We have an on-site B&B management company to handle your uh, bookings, end quote. So while people struggle to make ends meet, the Premier exploited the housing crisis to make a quick buck. So Mr. Speaker, can the Premier please tell us how much he personally profited from selling his condo as an Airbnb opportunity? Minister of Housing. Thank you uh, so much, Honourable Speaker. And, um, you know, this uh, session, we have a, a new party that asks questions that are completely over the top. And now we have a BC United party that says, hold my cup, uh, Honourable Speaker. Um, we are, Honourable Speaker, we, we are in a housing crisis. And, and what we've, we are in a housing crisis. And the steps we've taken when it comes to addressing short-term rentals and having them in our primary residence is an important step. In fact, it's being applauded across the country. We've had other provinces that have reached out and said, can we talk about this legislation? Can we talk about how we can work with you uh, and learn from some of the things that we've done to ensure that they can also use tools like this to help address the challenges that they're, they're facing? This is not just a BC challenge, it's a North American challenge. So the steps we've taken is about making sure that the housing stock we have is available to the people of British Columbia who are desperately needing it. Honourable Speaker, we will always be on the side of the people of British Columbia, not just those who are looking to make money off of investments. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano, supplemental. Uh, Mr. Speaker, it should concern us all that this minister doesn't understand that these questions are completely relevant right now. Mm -hmm. While the NDP continues to hunt for housing scapegoats, the Premier himself personally capitalized on an opportunity to profit from the explosion of short-term rentals under his watch. I have the very listing when he sold his Juliet condo in a building named Juliet, the Premier found not star-crossed love, but a lucrative Airbnb opportunity that earned him a $150,000 profit. He marketed the property in the advertising with a clear tagline, and I quote, unrestricted rentals, end quote. So why the blatant double standard? One rule for him and another for everyone else. Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, again, Honourable Speaker, we are in a housing crisis right now. We have people that are living in RVs, working full-time jobs that can't find a place to live, Honourable Speaker. That's why it was so important for us to uh, uh, port forward the legislation around short-term rentals. But it's not only these measures, Honourable Speaker. We're making historic investments in building actual affordable housing for people, which was not done in this province for far too long. There was a time not too long ago where there was a housing minister from the opposite side, this other party that is raising questions now, who said, if you can't afford it, just leave. Just go somewhere else, Honourable Speaker. That's why we are in the challenge we are now. This was not an issue that was important to them. I appreciate now 
that they think this is an important issue. And I hope that will provide some positive ways for us to be able to address the housing crisis. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to do what we're doing addressing short-term rentals, addressing the challenges in our housing crisis, investing in housing that's critically needed across British Columbia. Member, second supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. As this minister admits, we are in a housing crisis, which makes this behaviour even more egregious. This NDP government had the chance in 2018 to implement common sense rules for short term, but they chose not to do it at that time. Instead, the Premier's Juliet condo listing boasts of, quote, unrestricted rentals and floor-to-ceiling windows that overlook your private green space, 200-square-foot patio with gas barbecue hookup, and a concierge to manage your B&B short-term vacation rentals. So what really gets people's uh, uh, is this NDP housing hypocrisy. They do nothing. The Premier personally profits. And now they are hunting for scapegoats for their failures in housing. So how can the Premier possibly defend this hypocrisy of cashing in with his Airbnb condo flip. Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. There's, there's a trend that happens in this place, Honourable Speaker. There's a new trend that's happening in this place. And this trend is... The opposition supports us on legislation until they hear the BC Conservatives are against it. When they, when, 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 when they hear the BC Conservatives are against something, then all members, of a sudden they are against it as well, Mr. Speaker. This is a trend. Members, 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 Minister has the floor. Members, member. That's enough, members. Minister has the floor. This is a trend that we're seeing with all legislation. And so now I understand what's happening here. The BC Conservatives decide they're going to vote against it, and now they're looking for an excuse to vote against it as well, Honourable Speaker. Well, Honourable Speaker, we're going to continue to do what we believe is the right thing, which is finding ways for the housing stock, the valuable housing stock that we have, make sure that housing stock is available for the people of British Columbia. Member for Kelowna Mission. Seven years, two elections, and what do we have to show for this NDP's housing hypocrisy? Well, we have the highest rents in Canada and the worst housing affordability in all of North America. Since 2018, the NDP have been consulting while short-term rentals have exploded. Why? Well, the NDP have collected over $80 million in taxes and the Premier made sure he took full advantage. His Airbnb condo flip let him pocket a cool $150,000. So why does the Premier have one set of rules for himself and another set of rules for the regular people who just want a break from the NDP middle class squeeze? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. 1,971 affordable units built in Kelowna alone, Honourable Speaker. 
member talks about action, there's a story in the Vancouver Sun today talking about how students are struggling to have affordable housing in British Columbia. Vulnerable students because they can't find access to housing close to university campuses. 138 units is what they invested in 16 years in government. 138. Not only that, all speaker. Members. 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 Minister. Honourable Speaker, not only that, but they had a housing minister who said, if you can't afford it, just leave. That was the mentality, Honourable Speaker, of the government at the time. And now they have the market to say, not enough. And they're saying, why, why so late? I mean, all, one questioner says the uh, actions you've taken are too strong. The other one says they're not, you didn't do them fast enough, Honourable Speaker. They cannot make up their mind on what they want to see in British Columbia, Honourable Speaker, when it comes to housing. We have a clear plan. We are showing action on all the key items that we've identified, the Premier laid out, and we're going to continue to do that, Honourable Speaker, until we address the challenges we have ahead of us. Kelowna Mission Supplemental. Well, this minister is all over the map. And while the minister and the premier are quick to try and find housing villains, guess who the biggest customer of Airbnb is in the province? Spoiler alert, the NDP government. They spent nearly $100,000 on Airbnb accommodations in the last year alone. And of course, we have the Premier as condo king cashing in and taking home a $150,000 profit from his Airbnb condo flip. When will the Premier finally own up to his hypocrisy and double standards and answer for exploiting the housing crisis for personal gain? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, and clearly, they've ran out of material uh, for a question period. And we're only a few weeks in. We're only a few weeks in. Honourable Speaker, let me be, let me be clear. Let me be clear. Members, the, member, member, that's enough. Let me be clear here. The Premier's never, never rented his property out for Airbnb. Never rented his property out for Airbnb. This is, an, this is just a false, uh, false statement that it just... Honestly, they're, in, they're into conspiracy territories here, Honourable Speaker. Shows you how much they're talking about. Honourable Speaker, what's important here, and I certainly hope that they've led, read the legislation, is that short-term rentals are still allowed in British Columbia. They still are allowed. Tourism-dependent communities can continue to have short-term rentals. Communities Member. under 10,000 can have short-term rentals will be available for people throughout the Members, there's no need for commentary on every single comma and dot. Member, member, members, members, please continue. Honestly, because short-term rentals will continue to be available for people in British Columbia. What we have done is struck a balance. We said those who buy three, four, five properties just to put them on short-term rentals. We're saying we need that housing stock for people that need it in British Columbia. Those that have an extra bedroom suite or want to rent out a, a garden suite in their backyard can continue to do that, Honourable Speaker. We're finding a balance to ensure that tourism can continue to happen, but at the same time, we have that valuable housing stock available for people in British Columbia.
Leader of the Third Party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. We've seen a massive erosion of public health care in our province. Ongoing staffing shortages have forced ERs across the province to close, primarily due to nursing shortages. Burnout, staff shortages, and difficult working conditions for nurses have led hospitals to rely on private, for-profit agencies to fill the gaps. Contract nursing was supposed to be a short-term solution, but this government has failed to create the working conditions needed to retain nurses who are invaluable to the well-being of our health care system and our province. Through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Minister of Health, when will this minister take the steps needed to not only recruit but retain nurses in the public health care system? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. In this calendar year, up to September uh, 15th, we've added 5,212 net new nurses in British Columbia. We've done this by improving pathways for internationally educated nurses, by training more nurses, and by supporting nurses who are working in the community. One example of that, for example, is the rela relational security officers that we've added on a proposal by BC nurses and healthcare workers. We said in a year we'd add a 320. The year's almost over. We've added 310. Honourable Speaker, a new system for that which helps support nurses working in, this, in the healthcare system, in the public healthcare system in British Columbia, and every one of those relational security officers is an employee of a health authority. Leader of the Third Party Supplemental. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, and uh, the 5,212 is a number that the Minister likes to talk about. But let's talk about some other numbers. In 2018-2019, the province spent $8.7 million annually on contract nurses. By 2021-22, the spending jumped to $64 million. Contract nurses are paid more, have better working conditions than staff nurses, making the transition to private far more appealing. Our public health care system is losing staff while public funds are lining the pockets of private, for-profit staffing agencies. The minister claims to be a champion for universal public health care, and yet under his watch, we've seen an exponential increase in public funds going to private, for-profit companies. My question is to the Minister of Health. Is corporatization of health care the legacy that he wants to leave to British Columbia? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. Um, since becoming Minister of Health, we got rid of Bill 29 and 94. The Green Party called for uh, an end to fee-for-service. We've moved from fee-for-service to a new payment model for doctors, Honourable Speaker. We've added net new in the public health care system, 38,000 workers in the time I've been Minister of Health. We've repatriated health care workers across the health care system. We've, we've, uh, we've brought back into the system MRIs and surgical centers, Honourable Speaker. This has been an area of progress for public health care. And we have been dealing with a COVID-19 pandemic, for example, which did let, lead to an increase in the use of agency nurses. We had more to do. We didn't want to send when we were creating, uh, when we were doing contact tracing and adding Im immunization centers. We didn't want to, to give up people in the public health care system who were already also needed. But we have added to public health care. We've consistently done that. And yes, we're doing a record number of new projects, not one of them, not one of them, a P3. Leader of the Fourth Party. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Weeks ago, this NDP Agriculture Minister 
was caught red-faced when she claimed she was unaware of the impending flooding of prime agricultural land in the Cowichan Valley. Mr. Speaker, can the Minister of Agriculture, Mr. Speaker, can the Minister of Agriculture please explain why her NDP government was prepared to ignore the ALC and its mandate in order to turn 100 acres of food-producing BC farmland into a marsh? Minister of Agriculture. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, there are pressures on agriculture land all across the province, and I recognize the importance of preserving suitable agriculture land so the BC agriculture sector can continue to grow in terms of food security, economic activity, and community strength throughout the province. The Agriculture Land Commission has a mandate to preserve agriculture land and encourage farming that can both include uh, traditional agriculture and on-farm value-added activities. The project that the member mentions would require a non-farm use application to be granted uh, by the ALC, and as of today, no application has been made. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Leader of the Fourth Party Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's interesting that this government has given $1.5 million for the project without even asking for the application. But, Mr. Speaker, clearly this NDP government is prepared to destroy productive farmland. And right now, there are thousands of acres of marginal agricultural land available in British Columbia where homes could be built. To the Minister of Housing, why is this government more concerned with creating homes for ducks than creating homes for people? Minister of Housing. Speaker, and uh, you know, I, I appreciate the the question. And uh, you know, when I travel throughout the communities, I hear from people who say, "Well, you know what? We have agricultural land. Why don't we just build homes on it?" In fact, I've I've heard the leader of the opposition suggest something similar as well. Uh, and our message to folks is that land needs to be used for agriculture purposes. Honourable Speaker, we need to ensure. Coming out of the pandemic, we heard clearly. From the, we learned clearly from the, the uh, experience of the pandemic that having the ability to grow food locally is vitally important to handle pandemics, to handle any challenges, economic challenges we have in the future. Uh, and so there are ways to build housing uh, that doesn't touch agricultural land, and that's what we're doing here. We're finding ways to get greater opportunities for housing around transit, build it around the infrastructure that we already have in our communities, Honourable Speaker, and we're going to continue to do that work. Member for Delta South. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We all know the Premier is responsible for the catch and release justice system and has done absolutely nothing to stop it. But let's not forget another broken promise, Mr. Speaker, one that he made to a room full of farmers pledging to protect them from trespassing by radical activists. I remember, certainly remember that evening very well. I witnessed this firsthand right here in Victoria back in 2019, as did many of the BCAC members that are likely here today. Yet, despite his promise four years ago, nothing has changed. Mr. Speaker, will the Premier explain to farmers today why he's taken virtually no action to protect them from trespassing by radical activists? Minister of Agriculture. Thank you, Member, for the question. Mr. Speaker, our government fully respects the rights of British Columbians to peacefully protest. At the same time, we expect protesters to follow the law 
Threats of violence against farm families, sabotaging farm equipment, and trespassing are completely unacceptable. We will continue to take action to support the safety and security of BC farms. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Delta South Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, this response certainly doesn't cut it, considering a lot of the activism by radical activists are happening right in her constituency of Abbotsford. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, farmers and their children, like those in the gallery today, are scared to death, targeted by radical protesters who threaten their families. This is also a major risk to biosecurity on our farms and the health of our farm animals. The BC Agriculture Council says that farmers and ranchers have been subjected to more and more online bullying and harassment, as well as trespassers. Mr. Speaker, after years of inaction, will the Agriculture Minister finally listen to farmers, take action, explain, up to the promise and enhance trespass protections for our farms in British Columbia? Minister of Agriculture. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Farmers, ranchers, and food processors in British Columbia must be able to conduct their work free of harassment and intimidation. We have strengthened protections for farms and farmers by amending the Trespass Act to explicitly include livestock buildings. We will continue to take action to support the safety and security of BC farms. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Member for West Vancouver, Sea to Sky. Mr. Speaker, despite record high spending, British Columbians continue to see record low results from the NDP, especially in critical services like BC Ferries. Stories abound of nine or ten hour waits, daily late departures, breakdowns, no reservations, staff shortages, a litany of failures that's become the NDP's new normal. In the gallery today, we have Mayor John Henderson of Seashelt, Mayor Ron um, Wasnow of Powell River, leaders who have witnessed firsthand the NDP's ferry failures. Can the Premier tell these mayors why the NDP thinks expanding BC Ferries' bloated executive ranks by four more VPs is more important than delivering reliable service. Minister of Transportation. Thank you, uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Thank you to the member for the question. Uh, what is most important uh, to the travelling public who have experienced frustrations, we had extreme difficulties during the summer period, is stabilizing the company and making service more reliable in BC Ferries. That's why we rushed uh, funding towards the company to be able to stabilize rates and engage in recruitment and retention of employees. That is now an international search that is having results. BC Ferries has recently come through the largest hiring period of activity in the company's history, 1,200 new employees, safety certified mariners, from around the globe now coming to work and build careers on our coast. That is what we're doing to uh, stabilize uh, service in BC Ferries. There is some evidence after the difficulties of the summer that activity is improving. 
the uh, fall uh, results on uh, on sailings uh, are now back up at 99.1% of all scheduled sailings uh, sailing uh, on time and uh, as scheduled. Uh, we dipped down to 98.3% in the summer, and that left a lot of people stranded. Their vacation plans were interfered with. We know the frustrations. We have to get back up to a higher uh, level of reliability. That's why we took the occasion last year with year-end funding to infuse dollars into the company to be able to support the hiring activities that will stabilize the company. And it's disappointing, it's disappointing Mr. Speaker, that the opposition voted against that funding that will precisely stabilize the company to serve all of our coastal communities better. Member has supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, this government has politicized BC Ferries by in politicized them by installing uh, a chair, Joy McPhail, notorious for her role in the fast ferry fiasco. The NDP have handed over multiple bailouts, including the $500 million blank check, and still deliver terrible results. This is now the BC NDP's new normal. Over the Labor Day weekend, uh, routes were uh, uh, up and down the coast were plagued by cancellations, including multiple sailings canceled between Sultry Bay and Earl's Cove. Ken White, a longtime resident of Powell River, says, quote, the BC Ferries Corporation held this community hostage, unquote. Will the Premier, when will the Premier stop holding British Columbians in ferry-dependent communities hostage? Minister of Transportation. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Now, um, it's interesting to hear the opposition talk about ferries because, of course, they have a record when they were in office. They made ferries more expensive. They cut hundreds of routes to uh, ferry-dependent communities, to Indigenous communities up and down the coast of British Columbia. They jacked up rates at sometimes five times the rate of inflation at a time when people Members. are struggling with the costs of food with record high inflation rates across the globe, with lending rates going up, we're protecting coastal communities, residents, and the movement of goods up and down the coast by uh, preventing uh, double-digit increases in fares. That would make the cost of everything go up on Vancouver Island and coastal communities. They voted against that. By the way, Mr. Speaker, they should recognize that the number of vice presidents in 2016-2017 is exactly the same as today. You know what's different? Under their watch, the CEO of BC Ferries, and this is an embarrassment, was paid a million dollars a year. So to hear them talk about runaway executive perks is laughable, Mr. Speaker. Executive compensation is down. Hiring of, of crew is up. We're working on stabilizing the system. It's been difficult after a pandemic. God knows what they would have done if they were in charge of the ferry service. They were in charge of the ferry service during the pandemic. You can imagine how many thousands of workers they were to furloughed and destroyed the ferry system. We're in recovery mode. We've infused the money to do it. They voted against it, and, and coastal residents are never going to forgive you. them for their record of, on rate increases when they were in charge. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Well, thank you uh, very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. The backbench may like the minister's uh, rhetoric, but the public, the travelling public, don't buy it because they're the ones sitting in lines on multiple ferries, waits hours after hours after hours, day after day, 
uh, under this government's record. Record high spending, yet BC are seeing record low results, Mr. Speaker. This is what Linda from Seashell says about the time that this government's been in office. Can I quote, what a difference six years has made. Before that, not one cancellation. Dropped reservation or late boat more than 15 minutes. Now it's mind-boggling. How about uh, Broden from Powell River who says, uh, nearly every weekend there's a cancelled key sailing due to lack of staff, end quote. That's this minister and this premier's track record. When are they going to actually improve things at BC Ferries instead of just bringing back uh, recycled politicians that failed with BC Ferries in the first place? Minister of Transportation. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. As I said to the opposition, and they know this, uh, BC Ferries has just been through a record hiring period, 1,200 new employees, international skilled mariners from around the globe coming to work here, build careers, raise families on our coast. We have an employee program that reaches out to Indigenous employees, is recruiting people who have lived and built their lives on the coast to come and work for BC Ferries. Uh, that is happening right now, and that is happening thanks to the $500 million investment that this legislature approved without their support. Uh, Mr. Speaker. There is more work to do, absolutely. Are we turning the corner? The evidence says yes. 99.1% of sailings went in the month of September. We had some difficulties. We got down to 98.3% in the summer, but we are turning the corner. We are making investments to be able to do that. The, the transportation industry across the globe, and including in Canada, air, passenger rail transportation have all suffered coming out of the pandemic. They had a wave of retirements during the COVID restrictions that, have made, that has made life difficult. The HR freeze that goes back to skilled mariners goes back 12 years into their watch. We're making up for those seven-year training lags that weren't done under that side of the house. We're going to do it. We're going to invest in the company. It's happening now. And if, if people want to look to that side of the house for ideas about BC Ferries, well, let's review what they were. Let's charge seniors. They undid WAC Bennett's commitment to give seniors a break. They raised you. fares on every single route up and down the coast. Thank you. We're protecting fares and affordability. They voted against it. Mr. Speaker, keep it up. People are watching that opposition's lack of ideas on BC Ferries. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Does this minister have any idea what is going on with BC Ferries? Any idea? This minister gets up and he mentions seniors. We had two seniors sleeping in their car because this minister, this premier, could not get their act together when it came to BC Ferries. That is how bad the situation has gotten. Four new executives making upwards of $460,000. That is this minister's, this premier's priority when it comes to BC Ferries. And the minister says, you know how we're going to solve it? We're going to do $7,000 fines. Seven which actually do not start. So the, all the sailings that we missed this weekend, those don't count, right? Because apparently, the minute, there's no problem going forward with BC Ferries right now. But what the minister doesn't realize, what he doesn't say, is that the people that are suffering every single day to access an essential service. $7,000 fines. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take the $7,000 fines and have them paid by the executives, the, exec the hand-picked executives by this minister, and actually try and get some results when it comes to BC Ferries? Minister of Transportation. 
Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. As I've said uh, to the member opposite, to the members opposite in general, uh, we have acknowledged the problems. I know that there are people who miss sailings, who have experienced frustrations. We've said to the company that this government stands ready, willing, and able to finance plans to recover the company from the HR problems they experienced that were related to the pandemic, that were related to, quite frankly, a decade of underinvestment in skilled crew. We're working with the federal government on international creative uh, immigration strategies to bring in skilled mariners, understanding that there is a worldwide shortage of those skills. They are coming here, Mr. Speaker. We have hired 1,200 new staff for BC Ferries, the largest in this period. We have the ferry commissioner who is reviewing right now the largest, most ambitious uh, new pr uh, program to build vessels, to invest in terminal infrastructure to make the ferry service uh, more efficient. And you know what? Every single time that we take uh, a bold maneuver uh, position with the Ferry Corporation to fix things, they vote against it, they snipe against it. Coastal communities want to work with this government, they want to work with the ferry company to make things better, and things will get better, Mr. Speaker, thanks to the investment that this government is making and that they're voting against time after time.